0: Welcome to Back in Control Radio with
1: Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Jeffrey Lazarus, who is rejoining us to continue his discussion about the power of medical hypnosis to treat a wide variety of chronic conditions. Thank you, Tom. Um, Jeff, welcome back to the show. Um, Jeff is a friend of mine. We've known each other for about maybe almost 10 years now. and We met through a conference with by Dr. David Burns about um, cognitive behavioral therapy. And so Jeff has got lots of skills. One of them is he, although he's trained as a pediatrician, he sees all age groups. He deals with what is called functional disorders, which he and I are both going to discuss are not functional. They're a result of alterations in your body's chemistry. And... What I'm excited about in the Bay Area is that he's been using medical hypnosis for many years, which is a very desirable, effective treatment for many chronic disorders that mainstream medicine does not do a very good job with. And I'm gonna rant for a second, but before I rant, I'm gonna actually welcome Jeff back to the show. Welcome Jeff, thanks for being with us.
0: Thank you again for this opportunity, nice to be back.
1: So Jeff's, we talked about medical hypnosis on the last episode that, um, do you want to give like a three sentence summary of medical hypnosis? We talked about how it's not a circus performance. It's really just deep relaxation of the nervous system. But could you explain that for us really quickly?
0: Sure, so medical hypnosis is when people are in a highly focused state of mind, such as when you're in the zone playing your sport or when you're uh, involved, people who are musicians or actors when they're performing or playing the piano, something like that. Uh, so in a highly focused state of mind. And what we do with patients is we help them to create an empowering experience to help them solve their problems. And hypnosis helps allow patients to become more open, more suggestible, when they, only when they want to be suggestible, of course. There's also right. as mind control. Right. It helps them to accomplish things that they didn't think that they could or narrowly do. Uh, you could also call it visualization, guided imagery. I think those are more commonly used terms.
1: Right. I mean, so it's sort of the essence of this chronic pain process that I work with called the doc process called direct your own care. But basically you're taking your brain off of pain circuits and placing them onto more enjoyable functional circuits. And it's not to distract yourself from these other circuits. It's really shifting gears. And I'll I'll just talk about multitasking, which actually has been documented that you can't really multitask. Your brain can be really only engaged in one activity at a time. Now, I'll never forget the story of a of a veteran of a Vietnam vet, who was a big guy and had total body pain for 20 years. Gone through every physician you can imagine, and all of a sudden he leans over and talks to me. He says, "You know, I build choppers." I go, "What do you mean? You know, the big motorcycles that are super fancy?" He says, "I build those." He says, "When I'm in my shop, I never feel my pain."
0: Exactly.
1: So what happens? is not he's just he's not distracting himself. He just created this massive shift of his attention right so you talk about focused attention that's you, what you're referring to right
0: exactly focused attention a highly focused state of mind and what you focus on you amplify and your veterinary your, your veteran who you just described demonstrates that beautifully most people when they're in pain they, as you know david you're pain expert they focus on pain and they're, they're their doctors ask, and their, their nurses ask, The nurse spectators, what's your pain level? What's your pain level? Their spouses ask, what's your pain level? What's your pain level? The parents ask their kids like 20 times a day, what's your pain level? Right. And as Michael Yepko, my mentor, says, what you focus on, you amplify. So when you, this guy is in his shop working on choppers, he's focused on working on choppers. He's in right. the moment. He's right. not, he can't even you know, experience anything else.
1: Right. And I've also said, in the treatment of chronic pain, there's actually no goal here. I mean, the goal isn't actually to get rid of your pain. The goal is to connect with what's in front of you. And paradoxically, as you connect with what's in front of you, the pain actually disappears. But it's not a trick. You're not doing it to distract yourself because otherwise the pains still running in the show. It's truly shifting gears into a different spot. Then the key issue that we're taking advantage of, and that's why you have to learn the skills and keep repeating them over time, is a term called neuroplasticity, where your brain actually physically changes structure new neurons, new connections, new glio cells, all sorts of things happen in the brain very, very quickly. So your brain changes every second. And what biofeedback does is allows you to shift focus and keep it there and allow your brain to develop that direction and eventually become relatively permanent
0: changes, correct? Absolutely, and you use the term biofeedback. Biofeedback is a wonderful tool. Uh, and, and with hypnosis, we medical hypnosis, we use the similar language. Uh, people who do IFTF use language that's similar to medical hypnosis, and what you've said is absolutely 100% correct. Absolutely. And and okay. one I'd like to, um, when when you talk about pain control, um, I, again I like not to focus on pain. I like to allow yourself to be more comfortable. And there are tools that I can teach patients to dial down the discomfort to dial down the bother because you can experience discomfort and not be bothered by it. And there are all sorts of hypnosis tricks, you can change it into, and, and rather than call it pain, often I like to call it sensations, because sensations is a more neutral word. Yeah, those right. sensations that used to bother you so much. So right. another way to, you know, and, and, and pain versus discomfort, is you know, when I, and I, I like to always describe it as discomfort, because the difference between pain and discomfort, of course, is discomfort is, is more manageable versus right. pain, you know, oh my goodness, pain versus discomfort. Oh yeah, I can manage that more easily.
1: And what Jeff and I have both witnessed multiple multiple times is that once people learn the tolls, it can happen quickly, it can make, take even a year or two, your brain actually physically changes and the pain really does resolve frequently,
0: right? Yeah. Most of the That's time,
1: true. the only block I think to resolve in the pain is actually unwillingness to engage in the tolls.
0: Yeah, exactly. That process resistance, as David calls it. Right. And, uh, and, and there's a, there can be outcome resistance too, uh, meaning I don't want to change because when I'm in pain, I don't have to go to school. I don't have to go to work. I right. get extra attention. Right. Um, and so you know, there are all sorts of reasons that people don't want to change. But these are unconscious reasons. like right. People step at night thinking, you know, I know I'm going to fake this pain so I don't have to go right. to work or go to school.
1: Right. I think that's one of the hardest part that mainstream medicine has missed. I'm going to talk about mainstream medicine in a second is that, okay, unco- it is unconscious. Okay. So if I'm in pain, People have to take care of me. I expect less of myself. People expect less of me. So there's actually a refuge being in pain and people become addicted to their pain. So what happens, the brain responds in kind and actually creates the pain, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it becomes a huge, horrible cycle. And then the neuroscience lab of Chicago has pointed out that they actually can show on functional MRI scans people thought I'll become addicted to their pain which to me as a surgeon initially was completely backwards. I still don't quite understand it, but it's really clear with the neuroscience research as you become addicted to your own pain. So I have a question for you. Um, right now, we know that whether it's migraine headaches, or irritable bowel, or chronic, chronic pain in general, anxiety, main, what we consider mainstream medicine simply is not doing the job, right? Correct. And what I have been shocked at is I was trained in traditional techniques. I spent eight years of my practice doing aggressive surgery with lots of mixed results. And it wasn't until I underwent, experienced my own 15 years of chronic pain did I have any perception that things were different than they appeared. And mainstream medicine is focused on anatomy and structure where actually most symptoms in the body are caused by the body's chemistry and physiological changes. Because when your body's full of stress hormones, it affects every cell in your body, your immune system, your blood supply to to every cell in your body is literally affected by the state of your body's physiology. So it's been shown in multiple studies where medical hypnosis does work. Also things like acupuncture, mouthfulness based stress reduction, cognitive behavioral therapy, acceptance commitment therapy. All these have been documented over and over again to be effective And so my message to, I don't like to call this alternative medicine because it's not, I think think mainstream medicine is actually not only not, not mainstream medicine, it's not even alternative medicine. They've actually documented multiple times that a large percent of the procedures that we offer in the presence of chronic pain actually don't work. For instance, in spine surgery, there's not one research paper in 60 years that documents that a spine fusion for back pain works, not one paper. almost 20 billion dollars a year doing spine surgery on known normal anatomy free age in other words this degeneration is normal age we're doing almost 20 billion dollars of surgery with over half that being done for degeneration that has been documented not to be the cause of the pain and then it goes another paper came last month in the journal pain showing dr jonas showed that every intervention that we do for chronic knee pain and spine pain has been documented to be ineffective the presence of untreated chronic pain. So we do know, both from personal observation, but also the data shows that techniques that help people feel safe and optimizes the body chemistry has a profound effect on your sense of well being, mental and physical health. And so, I don't like the word integrated medicine because that to me is what mainstream medicine should be is integrated medicine, because the mind and body are just a unit. And I think what Medical hypnosis does is sort of brings these two back into congruency, is one of the goals.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And, and I think as you were talking, we talked about before the session, this section started. Um, why isn't it accepted more? You know, you say the word. Uh, so, for example, um, mindfulness is embraced, okay. And there are some similarities between mindful. There are a lot of similarities between mindfulness and hypnosis. Um, but why is hypnosis not embraced, medical hypnosis? Well, when people hear the H word, hypnosis, they think of you know, the, 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 the mind control and what they see in movies and cartoons. Right. And there's been a lot of research that, of all the things that hypnosis is helpful, helpful for. Pain is the number one thing. But there's right. been a ton of research for all these other things, headaches, bed, the, things that, the, the patient problems that I commonly with people with headaches, people with bedwetting, people with irritable bowel syndrome and chronic pain and ticks and Tourette syndrome. But if you use the word hypnosis, you know, people are kind of shy, shy away from it because of the myths and misconceptions. So that's one of the things we want to correct. You know, when, when I talk to patients right away, that's one of the first things that you know, we have to help them realize that there's no such thing as mind control that they're in control the whole time. Right. And, uh, you know, we're actually, yeah.
1: Well, so, I mean, my point about them, and I don't know if I told you that, but I don't particularly like the word mind-body connection. So to me, it's just a unit. So if you visualize a Boeing jet, the 747, I looked this up, it has 2 million parts to it. Wow! And so you have a computer that's answering, analyzing sensory input, you know, the flap angles, the tire pressure, the altitude, wind speed, all those things are taken into account, right? So all these sensors are being fed into a central computer. Then between the pilot and mostly automatic, the machine is making all sorts of adjustments to to allow it to fly. I mean, it's pretty incredible what it does, right? Okay, so that's 2 million parts. So how would that jet fly if it didn't have a computer? Not gonna happen, right? Okay. And how could the computer fly without the jet? So uh, that's just a unit, right?
0: Yeah, okay,
1: interesting, so yeah. the human body has 50 trillion cells. Oh. The brain itself has 80 billion cells. And what blew my mind is that each dendrite, each one neuron has 10,000 connections. So the, the possibilities of connection. So you have 80 billion cells. Each one of those cells has 10,000 connections. Then the glial cells are another 80 billion cells. Those are the, the supporting cells that provide the myelin and stuff like that. So you have trillions of cells in your body. They're all linked together by the nervous system. How do you think your body would function without the brain to interpret the sensory input to make adjustments to keep you alive? not going to happen, right? So it's completely a unit response. I'm actually trying to come up with a term and I'm open to suggestions about that term mind-body connection because it's just a unit. Our, our brain's a unit. So like, for instance, when you think sad, you can think the word sad is fine. But when you feel sad, it's a combination of your brain thinking something but also feeling some type of physical reaction, right? In
0: yeah, other
1: okay. words, the word sad doesn't mean anything.
0: Yeah.
1: So... This whole thing that we call the body versus the brain don't know exactly how the separation became so deep, but there's no separation at all.
0: Yeah. Right? I think what happens in in training, you know, people take their medical school training or osteopathy school training and and also fellowships and everything is pharmacologically oriented. You have a symptom, oh, take this pill. You have a symptom, take this drug. You have a symptom, you have a headache, you have a tummy ache, it's all drug, drug, drug. Right. And and also especially in the United States, you know, the big pharma, you know, they take ads out in the on television and, and in magazines, you know, if you have this, ask your doctor about this drug. And, right. You know, it's yeah, right it's, way too pharmacologically oriented.
1: So I'd like to basically make sure we cover two things here. So and I'm open to suggestions here, make sure I'm saying this correctly. With medical hypnosis, it allows your increased awareness of the I'll use the word temporarily, mind-body connection. So it, it helps people feel and then also learn to regulate their own body's physiology to optimize function. Is that a first statement?:
0: Yes, Self-regulation is what we call it in, in hypnosis. Right? And so
1: when you learn to self-regulate, that means you have control of your environment, including, including your body's reaction to stress, so you feel safe. And the essence of solving my, is the essence of solving chronic pain is feeling safe. Because when you feel safe, your body's full of oxytocin, the love drug, serotonin, antidepressant, dopamine, the rewards drug, growth hormone, I mean, all those things cause your body to thrive as opposed to being under constant threat. Things don't go as well. I mean, Bruce Lipton's a friend of mine. He wrote the book called The Biology of Belief. He's a cell biologist out of Stanford. He made a really simple observation that if you take a cell culture and place it in an environment of the oxytocin, dopamine, and the great drugs, they thrive if you put them in a Petri dish of cortisol and adrenaline, they shrink, they literally shrink and die. Wow. Right. And then we also know chronic pain, people's brains actually shrink. People's brains physically shrink in the presence of chronic pain. But we also know that when you actually treat chronic pain successfully, people's brains fortunately re-expand, physically re-expand. So that's a whole different discussion. But again, I love... Now, I didn't to understand this very much, the idea of medical hypnosis allowing you to auto-regulate your body chemistry to me is a huge deal.
0: And as we're taught in our introductory hypnosis training, pain is pain, suffering is optional. Correct. And, and when everything that can be done and should be done has been done, then there's no need to pay attention to those signals Right. that, that, that you've been used to for, for a while. And you can learn ways to ignore, ways to tolerate them, ways to you know, move on with your life, as I know you do with your patients, in your fantastic program.
1: So I'd like to emphasize a little bit about the specific services that Dr. Lazarus has offers He's in the Bay Area, he's quite accessible. So he's got two resources. One's called, they're both web-based. Could you, could you talk about those two web-based resources that oh, you developed, Jeff?
0: Delighted to. Yeah, I, I, although I've written chapters and articles, you know, they're mainly for physicians. So I wanted to make the, the, res- the tools that I have available to the public. So I, I created a program called keeping the bed dry, which is for patients with bedwetting. And long story, it it simulates what I do in the office. It incorporates medical hypnosis because hypnosis is in charge to be very effective for patients with bedwetting. The two most commonly used treatments for for bedwetting right now are medication and the alarm. But the problem is medication only provides one or two more dry nights uh, than placebo. And the placebo effect is very high with medication. And when you stop the medication, everyone relapses. The alarm can take many, many, many weeks to work. When it works, uh, it, it, if it works, it helps two thirds of the patients. But when you stop, half of them relapse. And so, hypnosis, you know, it's all using what we call internal locus of control. As I tell my patients, I can teach you to teach your brain, to talk to your bladder, and be dry at night. So, we've had wonderful success with the program, and I'm honored. They're using it now in a medical study by the Division of Pediatric Urology at a major children's hospital. So we'll, we'll have the data in another year and a half or so, but that's exciting and, and you know, similar to what I uh, do doing in the office. So the uh, mind is amazing. And the kids get better so much more quickly with right. hypnosis, no medication, no alarm, no side effects.
1: I, I don't have much direct contact with patients who are bedwetting, but I will say that I do know it's a neurological problem, it's not psychological. And there's a lot of shame involved with people think they just become tougher on the kids are gonna stop waiting in the bed. Well, it's all unconscious just like trying to control anxiety you're not going to do that and so for essentially really no risk and high degree of effectiveness it really is the treatment of choice and quick question so i know with patients one-on-one same thing with my project you have lots of success with keeping the bed dry but what's your success rate of the website with people doing it on their own
0: you know, great question. I wish I had the answer to that because we, we ask everybody after the, there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. And, and uh, even though the program is only four weeks long, so we, we always send out at the end of whatever two months, we send out a, a, a brief questionnaire, of five questions, but it's rare that people answer. You know, but so in general,
1: I I'm assuming your success rates fairly high.
0: Well, we don't get any returns. So maybe, you know, the typical client right. when people want a return is because there's something wrong with their computer or system or whatever it is. But I wish right. we had more data, and that's what's so exciting. I mean, I can say, well, gee, no one asked for their money back, So, I, but I, it would be wrong. It would be disingenuous to say, so I assume everyone's cured. I, I right. don't know the answer, but
1: that's and then what another,
0: the study will show. Yeah. And
1: then the other one you have is called controlling your gut feelings, which is, I'm assuming, a similar approach for irritable bowel Actually, syndrome. It's,
0: it's an even more comprehensive approach. This is for patients with irritable bowel syndrome and abdominal pain, um, and what's exciting about this, is because all these patients, as we talked about in our last session, all these patients have anxiety as well. So what's unique about this program is it incorporates medical hypnosis to treat the symptom—the nausea, vomiting, pain, diarrhea, and/or constipation—and it, it incorporates David Burns's uh, CBT approach, uh, the Magic Dial, which is a very quick but po- powerful tool. And David was very generous in allowing me to to use his uh, his Magic Dial for the program. So. Again, you, 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 you need to control for these patients. You can't just control the symptom because then the anxiety right. is still going to be there. So you can't just control the anxiety because the symptom is going to be there. So my, my program incorporates, it's a very comprehensive It incorporates medical hypnosis, cognitive behavioral therapy strategies, and also motivational interviewing uh, techniques, which are very powerful
1: yeah i do want to emphasize again jeff is an unusual combination of skills here because he, again pediatrician for a long time but he deals with all age groups now irritable bowel courses is extremely common in adults we also know the instance of chronic pain in pediatrics has gone up 800 percent in 10 years and basically the instance of anxiety course has gone through the ceiling have you have you dealt with eating disorders at all jeff have you, have you a chance to deal with that or not so much
0: I, I, I choose not to. I think hypnosis can be helpful for it, but it's only part of the program. Eating right. disorders, you really need a specialist in eating disorders. And what we're taught in our introductory, again, in our introductory hypnosis training, you can add hypnosis as something you already treat. So for if, I, if I'm treating patients with bedwetting, for example, or irritable bowel syndrome in my, as a pediatrician, now that I know hypnosis, I can add that. But just right. because I've learned hypnosis doesn't make me qualified to treat patients with depression or generalized right. anxiety or obsessive-compulsive disorder. Right. We want to practice within our scope.
1: But the other thing that Jeff does, which is interesting, he also does the TEAM approach, T-E-A-M, with Dr. David Burns training, also cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so it helps. There's a lot of stress involved with irritable bowel and spastic bladder. So those are incorporated into your practice also, correct? Correct. The TEAM approaches, yeah and and what's the team approach exactly what's the general flavor
0: sure it's an acronym for team testing empathy assessment of resistance and methods so testing we have patients fill out a questionnaire before and after each session telling us how sad they are how anxious they are how angry they are uh, how happy they are and then uh, and that's very helpful and then at the end of the session, they evaluate, how was the session? Was it helpful? Was it not helpful? What did you like least about it? Was Dr. Lazarus kind? Was he empathic? Am I going to, do I want to do the homework? You know, those, right. those kinds of things. That's so a wonderful uh, tool for us to use to help interact with the patient and really assesses how you connected with your patient. Because that's the key thing. You know, you, you can be the best therapist in the world, but if you're not connecting with your patient, it's not going to work. Right. The second thing is empathy it's not just enough to understand how someone feels. You have to repeat, it, tell them, Yeah, imagine you might be feeling sad or frustrated and disappointed, and, and I feel sad to hear that they're going through this. So it's, it's one thing to feel. It's another thing to let them know you're feeling it. And I think empathy is the number one thing. If, if, you don't, if you're not empathic with someone, they're not going to want to work with you.
1: you, mean, and then you assess,
0: mean... Assessment of resistance is what David refers to as um, the, a very sophisticated way to determine if a patient is actually motivated to get better. You know, right. Some kids, some kids who have irritable bowel syndrome, you know, they stay home. They're watching video games all day and watching television. And the parents say, "Oh, it's the only thing that gets his mind off the pain." Well, yeah, but uh, you know, that's that just reinforces, you know, that that's right the whole oh, pattern for the kid, yeah, right. And then, and then, uh, the M is the method. So for me, I would use then hypnosis and or CBT depending on what the problem is.
1: Right. Yeah, I would say the essence of the Doc Project. I mean, my book is what it is. It's our framework of care. The website presents an action plan. But I still think the essence of this solution is feeling safe, which starts with the doctor-patient relationship. You have to be able to talk to your patients, get to know them. Every person I know that's effective treating these chronic disorders has a nice relationship with their patients. They actually talk and listen to their patients. And so again, that's one of the things that um, is really, really key. We're actually fighting that battle a little bit on fee schedules. But um, again, Dr. Lazarus does talk to people. I've been very impressed with that whole empathetic supportive system. That's a big part of the solution is that you're given tools to relax the medical hypnosis,
0: but actually listening and talking to your patients is a pretty big deal. Absolutely. That's all part of it. And you can be the best hypnotherapist in the world, but if you haven't connected with the patient, it's not going to work. I saw, I saw a young woman, I'm not saying this to brag, but she saw a very well-known hypnotherapist and he or she spent an hour with this patient and provided what I would have considered a beautiful recording but it didn't work and, and I'll, I'll share a humbling story about me i remember i met with a uh, oh about 11 year old girl another girl with, with abdominal pain and anxiety and so after a couple of visits the, the pain was better and the anxiety was better and the mother wanted her to do sleepovers and the girl wasn't ready for this and i said do you want to do this and she you know you can tell and i have a wonderful video which when i lecture i show one of my failures um, how did she do about that? And you could tell from her body language, she was not what I'd call wildly enthusiastic about it. But the mother, and I knew that, the, that this is what the mother wanted, but the kid wasn't ready for it. And so they were, I listened to the wrong voice. There are two voices, Jeff, you can do this. This is what you're hired for. You helped her with her abdominal pain. This is what the mother wants, but right. the kid wasn't ready. And and I did a, what, I, what, what I thought after, oh, what a beautiful, brilliant hypnosis session. And of course it was a total failure because the kid wasn't ready very right. humbling so i haven't made that mistake since but i, I when i lecture and teach people i it's that I don't just do as i i not do as right. i say not as i do so it happens
1: yeah well i think with both jeff and i neither one of our approaches is what i would call formulaic every patient's individual everybody has different needs and the the part that i challenge myself on a regular basis is is staying aware and trying to listen carefully and trying to see the world through the patient's eyes and jeff just gave a beautiful story about really he sense lack of readiness which is actually a big deal yeah. and so a lot of money you spend doing treatments on people that aren't ready you know it's just not going to work yeah. so Jeff thank you very much do you have, do you have any um, comments as far as l- this last session that you'd like to share with the uh, with the audience
0: I just want to thank you for this opportunity and, and I'm happy to see patients for with, with, with children adolescents and adults who have chronic pain, who have headaches of all sorts, uh, performance anxiety, musicians, dancers, actors, public speaking, test anxiety, uh, sports performance, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, and abdominal pain, bedwetting, and patients with tics and Tourette syndrome. so it's, it's been an honor to, to be on your show, and it's nice to see this side of you, David, because as you mentioned, we're friends too, and I it's yes, just, I've great. Always, I always learn from you whenever we talk, whether it's uh, one-on-one or in a in a group setting or in a professional setting. So this is just a, a real, a real honor and treasure, and, and a and a really a kick for me. To, and how much can't tell how much I enjoyed this and appreciate you allowing me to be on your show and spread the word about hypnosis and about the home programs, uh, keeping bed dry and controlling your gut feelings that that are available for people who don't have access to me personally. You know, when you have bed or uh,
1: well, thanks. So uh, Dr. Lazarus' website is um, www.jefflazarusmd.com. It's one word, jefflazarusmd.com. And he has two websites, ones called keepingthebeddry.com, one word. Also controllingyourgutfeelings.com. And those are all resources that are readily available to you. Another resource... Jeff, which you may not be aware of, which I'm going to make more and more public, is that every weekday from 12 to 12.30 Pacific Daylight Time or Pacific Time, um, I just have a half-hour question and answer session for people that are just working through the concepts of learning. So there's a link on my website. You just hit the link and you're on the the conversation. But we've had a lot of fun with that. And people are making progress quickly just listening to other people's stories. It's been a lot of fun.
0: So thank you, you, everybody. And... uh, Thank you for this opportunity. Keep doing the great work you do, David. You know, we didn't talk enough about you, but uh, you know, you you are just doing amazing amazing work and uh, keep fighting a good fight. Thanks.
1: I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Jeffrey Lazarus, for joining us today and providing more insights into how he uses medical hypnosis to treat a wide variety of different conditions. I'm your host Tom Masters, reminding you to come back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio. And remember to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com.
0: Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.